Father God, would you please speak to us now through your word. Would you show us your glory and the glory of the Son of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're going to think about angels. That's uh, slightly unusual, um, but the church today celebrates St. Michael and all angels. I hope somewhere you might have one of these, a sort of little sheet, so that you can have a sort of you roughly you know where I'm going. If you haven't and you want to just either look over a shoulder or wave, and I'm sure Marina could get you one. One or two down. Marina, could we just bring one down here? That would be lovely. Thank you, just to Liz. And, and we're going to be looking at the... Uh, just down here for Liz, thank you. We're going to be looking um, at uh, Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verses 5 to the end. Three things. First of all, the angels worship the Son of God. Verse 5, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? And again, let all God's angels worship him. Uh, last week, um, we read from Isaiah 6, where angels worship God. And the seraph uh, gather round with their six wings and they praise, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Or, or we think of the joy of the angels as they praise God when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is born. Glory to God, they proclaim, in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favours. And, and in John, in the book of Revelation, as John glimpses that world, that new creation, that world that is beyond space and time, but which is already there, he hears the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands singing with full voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. The angels worship God. They worship the Son of God. It is not something they have to do. It is not something that God needs. When they worship God, they are simply declaring the truth. And it is their delight and their joy. Just like a lover delights in praising their beloved, so the angels delight in praising God. Worship is so much bigger than you or me or us. Worship is going on all around us. If only our eyes were opened, we would see thousands upon thousands of angels declaring the praises of God. When we come to worship, we're not coming to do something as if it didn't exist before we came. 
we're coming to enter into, to join with the worship of the angels, the worship of heaven. While I was preparing this, I came across an article about a lady called Bernadette Power. Uh, she's a Catholic and lived in Northern Ireland. And she tells of the day on the 28th of August, 1987, when her life changed. She was in the car with her family when loyalist paramilitaries opened fire on them. Three hours after the shooting, her husband died, one of her children was in the operating theatre, and the second of her three children was severely injured, but nobody had realised it at the time. Bernadette writes, for me, it was outside human. But then she continues, the strangest thing was that while all this was going on, Somewhere within the recesses of my being, I could hear, this sounds really daft, but this is real, I speak this in Jesus' name, I could feel an inner worship of angels or something. And they were singing at this high pitch, the Magnificat, my soul glorifies the Lord. It went something like, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, in God my Saviour my soul rejoices. This was echoing within me. Although I was in fear and trembling, there was an inner part of the Holy Spirit who was keeping things under control. When we worship, we echo the worship of the angels and of the saints, the men and women of God of the past. And we say in our service, a little bit later on, therefore, don't know whether you've noticed this, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might. The angels delight to worship the Son of God. Secondly, the angels delight to serve the Son of God. Verse 6 of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. In our psalm, it spoke about how the angels obey God. In the court of heaven, angels delight to serve God. So, for instance, again in that passage from Isaiah 6, we're told the seraphs were in attendance upon him. And in the Gospels, we're told of two occasions when angels come to serve Jesus. They're both at critical moments when he is facing the most severe The first is when Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted. And Mark writes, he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. This is straight after the baptism. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. And so in this icon of, in the traditional icon of the baptism, you will have the angels. And they are standing on one side of the bank of the river and their hands are covered by their towels, which is a symbol of service. 
And then secondly, the angels come to minister to Jesus and serve the Son of God at the end, when he is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke tells us, at least in one or two of the earlier manuscripts that we have of Luke, that when Jesus is praying before he is crucified, an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. The angels delight to serve the Son of God. And thirdly, the angels are sent by God to serve the people of God. So Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, Are not all angels spirits in the divine service, sent to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? The angels, first of all, serve the people of God by bringing the message of God. That's literally what the word angel means. Messenger. They bring the word of God to people. Just a few examples. The three angels who visit Abraham and tell him that Sarah will have a child. That's in the image, uh, that's in the icon of the Trinity and others uh, of the hospitality of Abraham. An angel speaks to Moses through the burning bush. An angel appears to Manoah, the father of Samson. An angel appears to Gideon, just a few. And in the New Testament, it's the angel Gabriel who speaks to Mary and tells her that she's going to be the mother of the Son of God. An angel appears to Joseph in a dream when Jesus is born, not just once, but three times. An angel tells the women when they get to the tomb that Jesus has risen. An angel tells the disciples at the ascension as they're looking up with their mouths, no doubt, wide open. An angel says to them and tells them, this same Jesus who you have seen go, he will return. And there are occasions, very, very rare, but they do happen, when God speaks to us through angels. I put out the call for angel stories and Debbie came up with this particular story. She was telling me Debbie's friend, this is uh, uh, Debbie's friend, who for several days was sitting and praying beside her dying godmother's bed. Her godmother appeared to be unconscious but probably could hear what was going on. On the day before Debbie's friend had to leave, as she was praying, she suddenly saw in the corner of the room a huge, huge man, so tall that he had to stoop right down to fit into the room. She asked him if he had come to take her godmother, but the man replied, no, he was not ready to take her because although everything was ready there, her godmother was not quite ready to go. And Debbie's friend said that she just took that as a message just of the graciousness and the patience of God, that he waits for us. He waits for us to be ready. That story is unusual. I suspect few, maybe none of us, will have had such an experience, maybe you have. But that does not mean that you have not met with an angel. 
You may well have met with an angel without realizing that it is an angel. That mysterious stranger who just happened to be just there at just the right time and who said just the right thing. Please don't think that angels are always huge or that they have wings. The seraph of Isaiah 6 have wings, but it seems that all the other angels in the Bible look like ordinary human beings, maybe a bit more radiant and a bit more shiny, but they look like human beings. That's why the writer to the Hebrew tells us, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. That is quite a thought. Every, every stranger who you meet could potentially be an angel, a messenger of God. There is, however, one warning. However mysterious or impressive the person who speaks to us, even if they're huge or shiny or have wings, we are not to automatically believe what they say. We are always to test it against the word of God. Paul writes to some Christians in Asia Minor, but even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel, a, the good news, contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. The angels speak the message of God. The angels also are sent to protect the people of God. They fight on behalf of the people of God. There are only two angels mentioned by name in the Bible. There's Gabriel, who comes to Mary, and there's the archangel Michael. In the Apocrypha in Tobit, there's the archangel Raphael, who also gets a mention. The angel leader, Archangel Michael, gets quite a few mentions. He is described as the prince of the people of Israel in Daniel 10, who fights against the prince of Persia. And because of that, because he fought, an angel, another angel, was able to come to Daniel in order to help him understand the word of God. That angel says to Daniel, I have come to help you understand what is to happen to your people at the end of days. In Jude chapter 9, the archangel Michael, we're told, contends with the devil for the body of Moses. I, I have no idea what that is about, <laughs> and I'll need to look it up. In Revelation chapter 12, Michael and the angels fight Satan and his demons, and Satan there is described as the accuser of our comrades. The one who wants to sow doubt about the message of God. This again is where we need to be very careful. It's easy to speculate, to take a verse from the Bible and develop a whole angelology. People have theories about angels based on a very few verses. And there are no controls, and often they are nonsense. 
We're not to think of this as a physical battle, but a battle in the spiritual, invisible realms beyond our comprehension. And we're not to think of the angels doing anything that can add to our salvation. This is really, really important. Jesus, by his coming among us, his incarnation, his death and his resurrection, has defeated Satan and won the victory in him and with Jesus. We have everything that we need. And Hebrews chapter 1 is written precisely to challenge those who were making more of angels than they were of Jesus Christ. Look, says the writer, angels are the servants of the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. They're down here. Jesus is up here. But it does seem we can speak of guardian angels. Individuals have angels, Matthew 18.10. Churches have angels, Revelation 1.20. And even, it seems, nations have angels, Daniel chapter 10. I think the UK angel is having a day off. And in the New Testament, on two occasions, we see them breaking open prisons. Here we have them coming out and uh, uh, springing. They spring Peter and John in Acts chapter 5. A few chapters later, an angel breaks Peter out of a maximum security prison. That seems to be an angel's speciality. In his book, The Heavenly Man, Brother Yun writes of how he is led out of the Zhengzhou maximum security prison past many guards, and nobody sees them. Billy Graham, in his book Angels, tells of the missionary John Payton, who was working in the New Hebrides in the South Pacific at the end of the 19th century. John Payton describes one occasion when their hut was surrounded by a hostile crowd armed to the teeth. He and his wife were completely on their own. All they could do was pray. The crowd came no closer and at daybreak they dispersed. Sometime later when some of the people were converted, he asked them about that night. Why didn't you attack? And they said, we could not. Your house was too well guarded. There were all those people standing around your home that night. Who were they? What I think is significant is that in all four of those cases, people were rescued or protected in order that the word of God could continue to be proclaimed. So what are we to make of all this? Do we believe in angels? It's funny actually, I think probably more people believe in angels than would believe in God. Um, But of course, absolutely, it's foolish to reject something simply because we do not understand it. And there's too much in the Bible about them. They appear on 300 occasions. And even though I'm not sure that I have met an angel, I've met many people who are like angels, I know people who have. 
Do we pray to angels? We don't need to. They are the servants of the Son of God. Why call on the servant to help when we can call on the Lord Jesus himself? They would have to ask his permission even before they could do anything. And I notice that even Jesus himself doesn't pray to the angels. He says that if he wanted to, he could pray to the Father, and the Father would send more than 60,000 angels to rescue him. We pray to the Father or the Son of God, and they will rescue us by whatever means appropriate. If they send us an angel, that's wonderful. If they send us somebody else, <laughs> that's just as good. People say that when we die, we become like angels, we become angels. I don't think we need to wait till we die, actually. We can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be like angels here. We can serve the Son of God with great delight and joy in obedience to him. We can serve the people of God. We can protect and guard and preach so that the victory of Jesus over sin and death can be proclaimed. We do it in the visible realm. The, angel do it, the angels do it in the invisible. And the visible and the invisible join together. We join Michael and the angels as we pray together in the worship of God. But when we die, we are not called to become angels. We have a far greater destiny. The Son of God became a human being, not an angel, in order that human beings might become sons and daughters of God. In 1 John 3, John writes, What we do know is this, when he, Jesus, is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. The astonishing glory that God has given to human beings, to you, yes, to you, means that we are not called to become angels. We are called to participate in the very nature of God. We are called to become like the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself. Father God, we thank you for your angels. We thank you for the worship of the angels that we can join in. We thank you for the service of the angels that we can join in. We thank you for the message and the proclamation and the protection of the angels that we can join in. Father, save us and rescue us. Change us and transform us, that day by day we may, come to be, we may grow to become like your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.